0: Welcome back. We hope you've been behaving yourself. This is Mary Lewis. And this is Jackie Noto. Welcome to Behave Yourself, a podcast on BA without the
1: BS. Mary, what is your candy of the week from melted gummies to a Kit
0: Kat? How are you doing? I'm feeling a cotton candy vibe. Ooh, I know. Here's my explanation. Because I saw cotton candy in Target a few weeks ago. And also, I feel like cotton candy is very... Spending time outside, very summer, usually something you're eating when it's hot also it's it dissolves in your mouth quite literally, so it's a nice little treat to um indulge in and then it's gone. It just dissolves forever and that's my vibe for this week. spending time outside, being really hot, but enjoying the outside and getting some extra sweetness, you know, just pure sugar. Sure. Have you ever
1: seen the videos of the raccoons with the uh, cotton candy? Oh? Oh, it's so sad. They like get their little Wait, cotton candy. Oh, they get and sticky. then they bring it to the water, and it
0: just dissolves. And then they're looking at their hands, like, "Where did it go?" Oh my gosh, the tippy tappies! Those are getting me on TikTok. The otter that does the tippy tappies.
1: Love a good tippy tap.
0: Oh man, Burke does
1: them when he's excited. He gives me his little
0: tippy tappies. It's so cute. That's that my candy cool. of the week.
1: Love what it. Love
0: your it. Your candy of the week, especially as. A member of the Spooky Council, I would love to know your expert <laughs> candy opinion. So I'm having a busy week. I'm having a week with a lot of different things
1: going on here. I'm working on editing a manuscript for publication. My brother's wedding is this week. So my attention's being pulled all different ways. So my candy this week is going to be a nerd gummy cluster, mm. a candy that's chewy that's crunchy that's sweet that's sour it's all of the things and that's how this week feels for me it's all of the things so my best identifier for this week nerd gummy clusters which coincidentally I also had when I went and saw the Barbie movie my friend brought some Mm. so maybe that's why it's paired
0: but that's my candy identifier of the week wait last time we potted you told us that you were going can you give us a really brief um opinion So I went and
1: saw the Barbie movie and I loved it. I thought it was super cute. It was funnier than I thought it was going to be. They definitely held up a mirror to the systems of patriarchy that are present within our world. And I really appreciated that. I think one of the great parallels is, you know, in Barbie land, men are ignored. And that's this huge issue that ends in a Ken revolt. Um, But it's so interesting to see that Kens are just, unwarranted, like unwanted attention. Whereas women in the real world experience things like violence, experience far more intense ostracization. So it's interesting to see that parallel when women were in the positions of power, they weren't putting down Ken. They weren't having Ken serve them. They weren't hurting Ken. They were just doing whatever they wanted to do. So I liked that mirror that was held up to the society that we're currently a part of. I do think that this movie was a bit like intro to feminism or feminism 101. So I think it didn't hit me as hard as it may have for some other women, but I still think it's a really good movie that any woman should see because a big part is, you know, our collective experiences uh, as women are what connect us to each other. We've Mm -hmm. all experienced something at some point in time that, happened because you were a woman. It wouldn't have happened to a man. So I think it was a great movie and I'd recommend it to anyone who's interested. And even to those who aren't interested.
0: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to watching it. I probably won't watch it until it comes out, like not go to the movie theater, but I'm really looking forward to it. It was good.
1: It was sweet. And like the other part too, is I'm a Margot Robbie Stan. Uh, I loved her in of course, as Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. of course, as I, Tanya, like mm-hmm. she just continually and consistently delivers in whatever role she's in. Yeah. So even if Barbie didn't have this huge upswing and like marketing and popularity, I was going to see it because I love Margot Robbie. Yes. Uh, but I would love to see movies continue to be made with these toy figures
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it, You know, just like the Lego movie, it's fun and it opens up a new reality, which is always interesting to watch.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I wanted you to share with the pod. So we didn't, because we want to hear your opinions, of course. My opinion. Your thoughts and your insights.
1: Do you have any recommendations this week, my dear?
0: I do. I was feeling imposter syndrome and I used AI to mitigate anxiety and it was effective. Here's what I did. Walk us through it. I w- get ready. Right, buckle up. I was feeling like I wanted to work on uh, quite a few different things, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get it done. And I've also been as recovering from being in a state of chronic stress and burnout. I'm readjusting my expectations because recently I've been learning how to work smarter and not harder, and being more efficient. But sometimes I feel guilty that I have time to do things that I enjoy doing because there was a point in time where I thought I had to be working all the time in order to be, quote, doing what I was supposed to, quote, doing productive. And if I had free time, then I wasn't doing enough. And that is just certainly not accurate. So that's what I'm kind of wrestling with as I'm experiencing these emotions. And I was like, can I even get it done all in one day? Should I even be expecting myself to do it? And so I said, you know what? I love using Notion. I'm a Notion beginner, but they do have Notion AI. It's free. Like you don't have to pay for it or anything. It just pops up when you hit the little slash button. And so I said, okay. So I wrote bullet points of like the five or six projects and tasks that I wanted to do. I also included, I wanted to walk my dogs. I wanted to go to a workout class. And so I listed those as tasks. And then I said, make a schedule. And the relief that it gave me, I almost felt silly after because it gave me a schedule. For research and writing time, it gave me two-hour blocks. And for other tasks, it gave me one-hour blocks, which made me feel so much better because it's not like you don't have to do research. You don't have to be writing for five hours at a time. Like, it's okay. Like, two-hour blocks are great. And it just gave me that immediate sense of relief. Even though I did end up changing my schedule a little bit the next day, it was enough of a relief for me to close my laptop and get in bed and like start to unwind and enjoy my night routine instead of having Sunday scaries. So if you're feeling like there's unclear expectations, you just need that like extra, almost like affirmation, write out what you want to do and ask AI to make a daily schedule for you and then go off that. Love that. And once again, looping back
1: the previous rec I gave of Goblin Tools. Yes. That's another interface you can use that'll help you do that on Um, the interwebs. It is
0: free. Yes, yes, yes. I'm seeing it all over my Tiki tock That's my rec. Do you have a rec to share, Jackie? I do. Um, totally different
1: sector, but kind of pairs into those vibes following the Barbie movie. Um, I'm gonna tell you about something that I do that I've seen get picked up on Tiki recently. And I never had a name for it, but the name on TikTok is Girl Math. Okay. And there's a specific radio station, FVHZM, that now has girl maths as a subsection on their episodes that they have on the radio. Mm -hmm. So essentially, girl math is the way that we justify or rationalize our spending. So something that I've always done with a purchase is instead of just looking at the price of the purchase, I'll take the price of that purchase And I'll divide it by the amount of times I am going to use that purchase. And then it ends up costing less, the more and more that you use it. So if you get a $100 purse and you use it 10 times, each time you use the purse, it's $10. But if that becomes your daily purse and you use it every single day, ultimately the price of that purse is going to be a couple of cents across 365 days. So that's something I wanted to talk about today because I think it's a great it's a good recommendation, especially when it comes to our self-care. I know it's very easy for us to look at the prices of things and choose not to engage in them. And I've even done that for things like buying groceries, something that I need to live. I'm sitting here trying to justify the spending. So one, girl math, break it down by the cost per day. That's one great way to do it. Uh, but then also I pulled up here so I could get the quote correctly from the Simpsons where Lisa goes, just buy it. You don't have to rationalize everything. And Marge mm-hmm. goes, hmm, all right, I'll buy it. It'll be good for the economy. So just uh, giving yourself some grace when you're buying things, you know, one that you need to live, but two, if you're buying things that are for self-care, looking at how you actually intend to use those in your life. And the reason I decided to talk about it today is most recently on the radio, they had an economist come in ooh, to get, and he's someone who's like often on the news is like the economist that they ask questions to. So they had him put in his take on quote unquote girl math. And he was like, No, I think this is completely valid because you're looking at the cost per usage, which is one way that we're going to determine how value it is to you. And I was like, yes, a known economist supporting girl math. Thank you so much. So that's my recommendation of the week. If you're having difficulty getting yourself to spend money on things, especially things that you need, not just things you want, try breaking it down by what this is actually going to be worth for you in the long run.
0: I feel like that's something Barbie would do girl math I love that I've never heard of that I will definitely be practicing some girl math in the next few weeks especially because I'm doing some self-care to fight burnout and I, I love it
1: because it really is helpful when you start looking at your purchases so like for example I I won't lie to you I have Birkenstocks Birkenstocks cost money mm-hmm But if I compare the cost of a Birkenstock compared to how often I wear them, which is every freaking day, Mm -hmm. I've had the same pair now for like three years, the amount of pairs of flip-flops that I would have to buy that would continue to break. in the time I've had my Birkenstock one is a plug for why I would buy them. But then two, I'm also decreasing my footprint in the universe of items that I'm throwing away by having something that does cost more, but because it's longer lasting. So looking at those cost-benefit analyses just like you
0: would in OBM. we love. Ooh, yes. Great recommendations. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. What are we spilling the tea on today? Ooh, the tea is
1: hot. You could argue the tea is burnt. It <laughs> is burn out yes
0: burnout today what is burnout how does it happen incredible I love that burning 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 my tongue on some burning tea (laughs) burning tea heck yeah so today we're gonna walk through what is burnout what do we mean and we're gonna share some stories this will be a part of a multiple series so for this episode we're just gonna be sharing how we've experienced burnout why it matters why we're talking about it and what it might look like as a reminder just like imposter syndrome feelings
1: if you're feeling symptoms of burnout or experiencing some of those symptoms of burnout first and foremost a reminder you are not alone Mm -hmm. these sorts of things seem to thrive by having us feel that we are in isolation so first and foremost I want to tack that you are not alone and this is something I think that More people have experienced now than typical, and I think a big part of that has been the pandemic. We do see decreased feelings of worth, emotional exhaustion, et cetera. Um, So especially if you've never felt burnout before the pandemic and you're feeling like you're seeing it now, keep in mind, of course, as we know in behavior analysis, the environment can affect our behaviors. And that was a large environmental shift. A lot of us weren't expecting had to change our behavior sets. Difference in our workload, a difference in that differentiation of when is work and when is home. Mm-hmm.
0: So just know
1: you're not alone.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's a big difference between having tr- stress, experiencing chronic stress, experiencing burnout, experiencing long term burnout, experiencing shorter or more temporary versions of burnout. So we want to kind of break it down a little bit without getting too much in the weeds because we, want this to be like a combo. we're sharing our stories um but just for a definition of burnout the icd-11 which is a super popular it's like the dsm-5 but it's um run by the world health organization so they're like in charge of diseases like if it's on there it's real basically like oh thanks for validating me And recently, I think it was 2019, they provided a definition for occupational burnout. Three core characteristics of burnout, emotional and physical exhaustion, so being unable to physically or mentally engage and behave in work tasks, depersonalization, which is feeling as though It's like dissociating at the wrong times. So if you're providing um, clinical services and you're talking to a parent and they just share something really challenging with you where you would normally be able to express empathy and compassion, you might be unable and you might just dissociate or you might be able to provide neutral feedback, but not really be able to engage in that compassionate care that you want to be able to engage in. And the last characteristic is a lack of personal accomplishment. And this is imposter syndrome. This is just feeling like your behaviors and you getting tasks done doesn't really matter and doesn't really contribute to the system, which is just plain false. Those are the three components of burnout. The thing about burnout is that, arguably, it looks different for everyone. Even with these three components, there also are several assessments and they measure the different levels within these components. So rather than trying to psychoanalyze and define and determine whether you have burnout and trying to justify or qualify, like, oh, I I don't have burnout because I'm emotionally exhausted, but I don't have the other stuff. That's that's not what we're here to do. We're just here to share some, some descriptions of burnout and what you might be feeling um, and kind of talk about our own burnout experiences. But we wanted to get that definition out there first.
1: Yes, thank you for that definition. I think it's really helpful in us Figuring out what burnout entails, but I love the point that you just brought up that you don't need to work to validate how you feel. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling a symptom, if you're feeling a couple of symptoms, you don't need to check off every single box for you to be in a state of burnout.
0: Yeah. And the thing about burnout is it sneaks up on you. Jackie, I don't know if you feel this way, but before I experience burnout or predictors to burnout, I don't actually anticipate them leading to burnout. And then I get burnt out and I'm like, oh, fork, can't go back like that. If I only would have listened to myself, then I would have slowed down. But it's kind of like you crash and you can't undo the crash. I think that's
1: what it was for me is that it looking back on it, I could see some of those predictors, but in the moment I was doing what I've always done. I was doing what I've always done. I was Mm. doing what I've always done. And then it was just boom, a total explosion. And then I couldn't get back to where I had been, which arguably is good because it wasn't a healthy place for me to be, but it's difficult when you're looking at your accomplishments. And if you're someone who for a long time has paired your worth with what you've been able to achieve, it's hard when you can't get to that same level of output that you're used to and maintaining a feeling of success.
0: It's so hard. This is what I'm working on in therapy right now, actually, because just like you said, even though now I'm taking better care of myself, I'm also more productive than I've ever been. I still experience those feelings of guilt and shame for when I was working myself to the bone and saying, well, my value is in my work and my identity, and therefore I sh- I deserve this. I should be doing this. This is what it feels like. So doing less when I'm actually doing more it's just a mind jumble. Mind boggle. Yes.
1: So I can dive in real quick with yeah. my personal story to get us started. Please. Um, I'm someone who sped run through school. So from high school, I went directly into my undergrad. From my undergrad, I went directly into my master's. From my master's, I went directly into my PhD. This is not something I would suggest for other people who are interested in doing the same path taking time off in between these different heavy workloads is important and it's something I wish I would have done but while I was getting my dual masters in an ABA and in an OBM I had three different jobs each job was 20 hours a week so while I was getting my dual masters I was doing 60 hour work weeks not including the research I was doing or my thesis that I was running i continued with that. I kept going, kept going, kept going. And then in my personal life in the first like year-ish of my PhD, um, content warning here, I'm going to talk about death for a moment. So if that's triggering to you, go ahead and skip about 30 seconds here. But for me, I had uh, one of my mentors, Jose A. Martinez Diaz passed away. Uh, Someone who had helped me out of sexual harassment issues at previous work had also unexpectedly passed away. A childhood friend that I'd grown up with and done Girl Scouts with and knew my whole life had unexpectedly passed away. Another childhood friend of mine that was in Boy Scouts with my brother, we'd known him our whole life, he unexpectedly passed away. And then on top of all of that, my father became unexpectedly paralyzed. No worries. He is fine now. It was something that we had to get a medication for, and now we're good to go. But at that moment in time, my father was unexpectedly paralyzed and my parents were selling my childhood home in two weeks because they became separated. So within like a one week to two week time period, I had four deaths, my father's health issues and losing my childhood home. So for me, when all this happened, I told my advisor, Hey man, I got a clock out. I got to go take care of some stuff. So I drove home to take care of my dad to help my mom and my dad pack up their house and move. And even with this, while it was a break from scholastic behaviors, it certainly wasn't a mental break or an emotional break for me by any means going home to my father, who's always been like the do it yourself kind of a guy. And he's not able to pick up a scale was difficult. And then, uh, I came back to where I was living, where I was going to school and I couldn't. I just couldn't. I was trying, I was able to keep up with like those basic behaviors that were maintained by negative reinforcement. So like attending class, uh, like doing my job. But outside of that, I wasn't able to move forward in any of the other work that I do that's important, like research needed for my competencies in order to graduate from my PhD, or self-care behaviors, or eating behaviors, or uh, hygiene behaviors. And it became like this total, utter, complete crash, like a star exploding. That's how it felt. Like I'd always been an overachiever. I'd always been someone who excelled. I was this star that was burning bright. And then all of a sudden I just exploded and there was nothing I could do to get back to being a star again. And to be completely honest with you, what this took for me to come back from that burnout was doing nothing. I did nothing for a hot second. I couldn't get myself to do basic behaviors. Uh, I couldn't get myself to care for or about myself. And this isn't going into like those, I don't want to say that this was a time of depression, but it has similar symptoms to what you might see in depression. So at that time I had to check out and focus on nothing outside of taking care of me. I put everything else on the back burner, making sure that I was eating, making sure that I was keeping up with my hygiene, making sure that I was sleeping, making sure that I was engaging in physical activity that had to become my priority. So I focused on that for a long chunk of time. And then I started building up my working behaviors again. Um, Keep in mind this whole time, right, I still did work because I needed to have a job to be able to live. Uh, One of the cons of our lack of a universal healthcare system, but I still had to have my job to be able to live. So I was still keeping up with that, but everything else went on the back burner while I prioritized myself, my mental care, my physical body. Uh, And now I'm to a place where I'm engaging in a bit of work, I think average or if not more work than the average person. But for me, compared to when I was doing 60 hours a week of work, plus a dual masters, plus spending 10 to 15 hours a week on my research, compared to 80 hours of work each week, now I'm engaging in 50 to 60 hours of work each week, and it doesn't feel like it's enough. And that's hard. And that's something that I've had to work through and realize that the way that I'm structuring my life, the way that I'm structuring my boundaries, my behaviors, has been better for myself, my health, my physical and mental abilities. But it's hard to separate that version of you that everyone else loved, the version of you that was able to always be there for other people, that was always able to get work done ahead of time, that was able to help on any single project you needed assistance with, Mm -hmm. with the person who is going to keep me afloat, who is someone who sets boundaries, who is someone who advocates for themselves, who is someone who puts their needs before other people's wants
0: not only are you experiencing burnout but you're having to advocate for yourself and not be people-pleasing which is hard yeah it's hard it's like the uh lightsaber that comes
1: out where it's got two sides to it and you're like great (laughs) oh (laughs) man so that's just my personal experience with burnout and i think for me my individual experience I do think that what was going on in my environment surrounding my own behaviors did have an impact in sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Jump-starting my burnout crash. I think my environment did play a large role in that. But the reality is if I kept going at the way that I was going, even without that environmental stuff taking a toll, I would have ended up in the same situation because I was burning my candle from both ends. I was continually emptying my cup for everything. So it takes a second, um, to bounce back from real (laughs) deep burnout, but it's worth it because you end up prioritizing yourself and you're the person who's going to get you through life. So you have to do it.
0: Yeah. Now allow
1: me to take out the world's smallest violin. That's how I feel right now. Like talking about this, even in itself, like it feels like I'm it's interesting in like the time that it's been since my burnout, that it still feels like I'm complaining or about something that isn't real. Uh, so there you saw my coping mechanism of humor with my tiny violin, but, but- I don't want you to feel that your burnout isn't real. So I'm going to immediately negate what I just said about my tiny violin in yes. this moment so that you can hear me actively try to change my behavior set as well.
0: Oh, that's look at you. You're slang. Your previous self is cheering you on. I can feel it. <laughs> that's really sweet. No, that's that's what it is, like learning and evolving and changing to make yourself live your because you deserve to live the best life, taking care of yourself. Not only do we deserve to share our stories, and our stories are valid, something that the burnout book talks about that we love.
1: This book is essentially one of Mary and my like bibles for burnout and it is by two different sisters emily and amelia najowski
0: and it is called the secret to unlocking the stress cycle and we've talked about it before um but something that they talk about which is why i think it's really important that we share our stories is that burnout can have emotional physical exhaustion all that bad stuff it can lead to detrimental health impairments. They tell a story, and it's they're like true stories, but they um they're across several different women in this book, just to protect um people's identities and that's how they they tell these stories in the form of two sisters one of the sisters goes to the hospital because she's experiencing burnout she has psychosomatic symptoms which is where the anxiety that you feel causes your physical body to be in pain or an appendix to burst like all of these things your blood pressure rises these things can happen and then they stick with you so we're sharing our stories because it's important and it's valid and we we want to share them to disseminate this information, but also there are like, this isn't a silly little sharing my burnout because I was stressed. Like this is something that can cause physical harm. That is a permanent change for the rest of your life. If it's not addressed. And to be fair to myself, I did have that, uh,
1: physical harm also take place. Uh, when I came back, once again, I'm going to put a content warning here, content warning for throwing up content warning for blood, uh, when I had come back, I had taken in my dog. He was sick. He had really bad hookworm. And I ended up thinking that I had hookworm because I started throwing up blood. I went and I got tested (laughs) at the time we were in the pandemic. So they were like, you don't have COVID good luck. Uh, but they also told me I didn't have hookworm. And the reality was that I hadn't been taking care of myself for, um, like 48-ish hours, I hadn't eaten anything. So my body was, you know, turning on me. And that was a big click for me that I had to drop everything I was doing and start prioritizing myself. Because when I'm getting myself to the point of illness, simply because I am not taking care of myself, that is a huge flag. But unfortunately, that nauseous behavior that ended up being paired with eating did continue for a long period of time. And that was something that I had to continually counter now for the last what, two years, I've been working on increasing my eating behaviors. And the reason I'm sharing this, right, is because I think, I think when we say, oh, I have a story of a friend who had this happen, we're easily able to write that off as not real. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I sit here and I tell you, here are the physical effects that I had from burnout to the point that my body was at, hopefully that has a little more weight in its tail that it's coming from someone that you know, I mean, my name's on the podcast. My name's on the Instagram. You know who I am. You know, I'm here. And it actually did happen to me. It was real. And it's something that I leaned on my system of support for when it was taking place because it was a large issue for me that I have to work to actively combat.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing.
1: Oh my gosh, me two years ago would be like screaming for me now.
0: Uh, It matters so much.
1: Yeah, and those are just like, The big flags, there were tons of tinier flags too. Like uh, I had no no energy. Once again, mirroring symptoms of depression, right? You want to be in your bed all day. You don't have motivation to go do the things that you know you're supposed to do. You don't feel great about yourself, but there's a separation here. And while these symptoms were similar, it is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, as always, right. Mary and I are not trying to tell you what you're experiencing. If you're feeling symptoms of burnout or symptoms of depression, please talk to a doctor. Please talk to a therapist, Mm -hmm. someone who can help you individually. I'm just drawing parallels in my own experience.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing. My experience is a little different. And I think that that is really good. I would say that listening to you talk, I, my burnout, I think is more emotional. Um, also, I want to make sure there's a contrast. I have never worked sixty hours in my life. So, like listening to that, I think it's so important for you to share that that's what you went through. And I think it's equally important for me to share that I have never done that, and that's okay. You can still experience burnout, even if you're not working, even if you're doing two hours a week, like that is totally fine. It's an individualized experience for everyone, and that's the point of us sharing. So for me, Why I say I think a lot of it was emotional burnout and not necessarily task burnout is that my burnout flares the behaviors that I was experiencing like headaches increases in heart rate that spiked and then I couldn't get it to decrease even though I'm sitting in my chair like I'm not doing any active movement um inability to complete tasks because I'm so worried about whatever's happening it was usually related to people pleasing somebody had asked me to do something and I wanted to do it in a timely manner even though I didn't really have time to do it and I didn't have the gumption to say I actually can't do that for you I'm really I'm not even I'm sorry but I can't do that for you maybe you should talk to this person delegate etc cetera, etc cetera. I feel like burnout and people
1: pleasing are best friends with each other Like they go skipping through the park holding hands.
0: They really, really are. So for me, I think my burnout, I think in both of our stories, we crashed. Like I was like, oh, I like if I could have kept going, I don't know about you. I would have tried. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Nothing was going to stop me. I was a train That the brakes were broken on. I was going to keep going until something happened.
0: Exactly. So my crash resulted and it's, I'm still like this to this day. And whether that's good or bad, like that's just, that's how it is. And I'm learning to love, you know, my preferences and my experiences, but emotionally experiencing burnout, there are certain boundaries that I've set with myself for doing activities late at night, interacting with people spontaneously. Like I have some protective boundaries because I can't do it anymore. I can't just spontaneously engage in um, some social behaviors or meetings on the fly for some reason that I think just because of previously constantly saying yes, now that I'm practicing saying no, it's still hard to do. And also you can't help but experience the receiving um, impact of whoever you're talking to telling them like, oh, I am actually unavailable. So that was kind of my, I just, I was unable to do things similar to Jackie. Um, I wanted to do work, and I couldn't. Like, I felt like I physically could not, and that's kind of my experience. And I'm still working through that. And um, I think that's totally fine. I, also, right now, I'm experiencing. I like to call it. I don't want to like um, I don't want to call burnout a state of stress because people are people are afraid. They're like, oh, people are gonna say they're burnt out for everything. No, they're uh, why care about that like why are you concerned about that? That annoys me that people say that but I just want to say I think there are times where you can experience a temporary um, feeling of burnout and if you properly close your stress cycle which we'll talk about in future episodes, I think that can you can experience more often shorter instances of burnout rather than chronic stress and burnout that's occurring for a long period of time and leaving last lasting negative consequences. But I would say I'm experiencing burnout right now and I'm engaging in self-care. I'm learning about how to best love and care for myself during that time, but it's not a reflection on me doing well or performing well. It's just the stressors that are present in the environment that will always be there. My previous experiences, whether they're reinforcing and punishing, and just the timing of life. And so that's, that's okay. Like, that's totally fine.
1: Yeah. And burnout is one of those things that, it takes time to bounce back from. It's not something that you're immediately able to get back on the horse. Mm-hmm. It it takes time and it's gradual. And thank you for sharing that you're still actively working on mitigating that. I think that'll be helpful to people who are listening because we, as people who have experienced some form of burnout, we're still working on coming back from that. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about some of our suggestions as we continue on throughout this short little series here, but once again, we're sharing our stories so that, you know, you're not alone and that even we are working on continuing to come back. It's something that I think a lot of people have experienced at some point in time. And it's really frustrating when you are someone who's been an achiever for a long time that you can't just get back to how you were. So those feelings that you're having, they're valid because Mm -hmm. you have to accept a new version of you. Yeah. And change is scary, but it doesn't mean that change is bad. And when that change is taking better care for yourself and your needs, that change is good. That change might be difficult, but it was needed.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. All right. So we just shared our stories. I'm very proud of each, each and every one of us for doing that. And if you're listening and have a story you'd like to share, please feel free. We'd love to hear. You can email us or DM us. But we want to do a little recap of how does burnout happen. So we explained our stories of burnout and how it happened. We're just going to give a brief, um, some variables to share in case it's helpful for you. So burnout happens scientifically, according to the literature. It's a really simple equation. You have job demands or job tasks, and you have resources. Job demands are what is being asked of you in the workplace, what you're required to do, how long you're required to be there. And resources include the ones you're given and the ones that are inside your individual body. So resources are compensation, resources are time to do tasks, resources are support from your boss, but resources are also your emotional state and how you're feeling if you're nourishing your body and how your overall over and covert being is doing. And if you have an increase in job demands and not an increase in resources, you are 99% of the time going to experience burnout. However, in this world that we live in, there are going to be times where you're asked to do more tasks at work or receive a new task your job demands are more most likely going to increase. Like that's just life. But what's important is looking at your job resources and advocating for yourself, whether that's advocating for you as a human and your needs and preferences, but also advocating for your workplace to support you, whether that's with compensation, monetarily, with time resources, based on the increase in job demands that you have to mitigate those burnout levels. So that's one of the, I think, easiest ways to explain how burnout happens. I love the way Jackie has a layman's way of saying it. That's a cliche that we all know and love. And I think it's I think it's valuable to share in this moment.
1: Oh, yeah. So I have two different ones. One is when you're burning the candle at both ends. When I was working sixty hours a week while in a dual master's program while doing research, I was burning the candle everywhere. It should have just been a wax melt at that point. But the one that I use a lot for my students specifically is we in those human service sectors continually pour out of our cups. We're always doing it. We have that emotional pull, let alone our logistics, our physical strain. But when we're not taking time to refill the cup that we pour out of, there is nothing left to give, Mm -hmm. whether that be to your clients or to yourself. Mm -hmm. So if we're not taking that time to refill our cup We cannot continue to do the work that we do, which is why engaging in things like self-care is so important because we have to put more liquids into our cup if we're intending to pour out of that cup for ourselves or for others.
0: Exactly. Another way burnout can happen is not getting enough rest. This one's really Mm. tricky because even if you give yourself 10 hours to sleep, if you're not sleeping during that time, if you're unable to fall asleep or your quality of sleep is poor, it's really, really hard to get enough rest. And this is one way that burnout can occur of consistently not getting enough rest. Another way burnout can occur is via isolation, and I think this is in tandem with imposter syndrome. So feeling like you're not doing enough, and also feeling like you're the only one that's not doing enough, and you're alone, so you don't have anyone to share it with. The final way burnout can happen There are many ways that burnout can happen. i just like to say these are the ones we're recapping. The final way burnout can happen that we shared is not advocating for your personal needs. So going back to those resources, those preferences that you have, if you're continually just making excuses for yourself, if you have certain preferences or certain needs, and you're just saying, well, it's not worth it because it doesn't match up with the needs and preferences of the person I'm talking to. That's another way to really quickly experience burnout. And it's really hard because then you have to re, re, um, reintroduce yourself, your new version that isn't willing to do that. And that can be kind of hard because people are like, what? I thought you were as flexible and dependable as an inhuman person. You're like, nope, I'm still a human. I have those boundaries. Thank you.
1: It's hard. It's a hard shift. Once again, the previous version of you compared to the current version of you, just like you're familiar with that previous version of you. And this is a change for you. It's also going to be a change for the people who are in your environment. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're rough, but boundaries are a great way for us to show that we're serious about this change.
0: Yes. And if you want to evaluate your burnout levels, For yourself, I'd highly recommend um, taking the Defy Community Burnout Assessment Tool. It's very insightful. And it gives, when it asks you questions to rate your burnout levels, it gives you the behavior analytic version that's super jargon heavy. And then it gives you a layman explanation of the same statement. And so that can kind of allow you to measure and observe and self-evaluate your own burnout levels from a behavior analytic perspective. Oh, yeah. We've both done the tool before would suggest absolutely Jackie brought up such a good idea and I was like wait I know someone that does this so we also want to share something about we want to share a it's not even hot like this should be a normal thing this should be normal this is something
1: I've been thinking about for a little bit especially with our field of behavior analysis because we know that we have high levels of burnout as is and high levels of turnover I think this would be a great intervention for our clinics, our companies, our organizations to start considering. I think it would be so flipping cool if companies provided a portion of time each week to be allocated towards self-care in their pay structures. So even if it's something like 30 minutes a week, which is what I ask of my students, I want them to engage in 30 minutes of care a week. So that's why I say 30 minutes. But what if like each week you could punch in for 30 minutes and punch out. And that whole goal is to engage in an active self-care. I think that most people would use that time to engage in self-care considering you're getting paid to engage in these behaviors and even small things like going for a walk, doing yoga, meditating can have such a huge impact on your life if you're taking the time to do that each week.
0: Yeah. And that's be sub- my take. And to be supported by the company you're working for in that way is just incredible. There is a company that does this. They are called Zendecoded. They're amazing. I won't speak too much on it because I'm not an employee there, but I've heard that this is something they do um, that they structure around lunchtime. I think in addition to lunch, they have a self-care break where they are compensated and encouraged to engage in self-care and it's totally unstructured, which I think is incredible. I love that.
1: And in reality, right, if we're giving time for our employees to engage in self-care, it just means they're going to be refreshed when they return. Mm -hmm. So ultimately this is going to be doing best for the business as well, because you're ensuring that your employees don't get burnt out and they can continue to be providing the services that you have asked of them. So I think it would be a really cool shift to see within the realm of behavior analysis that we start reinforcing the self-care behaviors we say are so important we need to address it at the systems level not just at the direct worker and the individual performer level Mm -hmm. as we know as we've said before if you're in OBM you've heard it for real change in culture it needs to typically happen at a systems level Mm -hmm. so putting in these programmed items for reinforcement for engaging those behaviors we want to see is a great start for that change
0: I didn't agree more on the subject of modeling, how to mitigate our burnout, should we talk about how we're staying hydrated this week? Absolutely. Why don't, Why don't you, take... you go ahead and open us? Sure, I will open us. My, I'm staying hydrated this week by nature dosing. For me, this looks like taking a midday break, I'm getting my eyeballs on some water. Luckily I'm close to water, which is a huge perk and privilege. And I sat my little booty at a local park bench with some lunch and I stared at the waves. I thought, I was worried that I was gonna take too much time out of my day. I actually did this right before I did a study session and I was all, all worried about it taking too long and the drive being too far. I probably sat there in total for like 13 minutes and it was incredible. I didn't have my phone, no technology, just looked at the waves, enjoyed my meal. And it was an incredible break that did not take a lot of time or effort. And I'm really proud of myself for doing it. It's not something I like, I want to say, I do this every day. I I don't normally do this. This is a new thing I'm experimenting with and it 100% hydrated me. So I will be doing it in the future.
1: I love that for you. Once again, that nature dosing is huge for filling our cups.
0: Absolutely. Why don't you show your hydration station, Jackie?
1: I'm programming reinforcement, baby. You guys have heard it before how when I go grocery shopping, I like to get acai afterwards. I realized I do that for another behavior. So my dog has a fear of plateau unlike Mary's dog who is literally a seal my (laughs) dog doesn't like any water he cannot control so sprinklers no hoses no the shower no however at a groomer he is more there's a competing contingency he's more reinforced by the attention of a novel person than he is punished by the fear of water so he always is great at the groomer this being said I spend a pretty penny to get my boy looking like a pretty boy so what I started doing is I program reinforcement for myself. Um, there is a restaurant near where I go to get my dog groomed and they are called Cava. And essentially it's like a Chipotle, but Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. So I get a spicy lamb meatball pita and it is delicious. Mm, and so once good. again, it's just uh, a way that I'm programming reinforcement for engaging in the behaviors that I have to do. Now in theory, right, you could say, Well, you should just do them. You don't have to have reinforcement. You're right. But like, who wants to live life like that? No. Why not? Like, if I am going to eat out at some point during this week, why not put my eating out behavior with something I have to do? Make it a low P, high P. Mm -hmm. It just makes one, it makes me feel less like I have to excuse my spending behaviors when I do it just for funsies. Girl, math. Exactly. Girl math. But two, it just makes running errands more enjoyable for me when I know that at the end I get met with reinforcement. So that's my hydration. And it's something I've been working on as well for my writing behaviors. I got myself. um, So with all the movies that come out over the summer, I like to see them outside of Barbie. I'm a huge like superhero fan. Normally summers are superhero city. And then as we go into fall, we're going to be in scary movie town. So I got myself the movie pass, which is like 10 bucks a month. And you can see up to three movies. And I thought with my girl math, that this would be uh, a win for me in the long run. Because if I'm using watching movies as a programmed reinforcer for my writing behaviors, I'm going to end up making money by going to the movies. Literally, (laughs)
0: literally.
1: So yeah, I've been programming the reinforcements to further engage in self-care for myself and keep me hydrated.
0: Wow. Talk about being a behavior analyst. Like that is so precise. It's the highest magnitude of reinforcement. It's programmed. It's going to happen. It's certain. And cost efficient. Oh my gosh. This is too niche. I'm not going to explain it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure we'll talk about it at another time, but it is a pick. It's a positive, immediate, and certain consequence. We literally just cover those this week in advanced personnel supervision and management course I'm teaching. We love. (laughs) And that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to make waves, collect
1: data, and as always, behave yourself.